All right, what if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job? Choose Express Employment Professionals, and that is exactly what you're going to get. They can help you find work in any industry. With just one interview at Express, you have a connection to endless jobs. Whether you want a contract job, a new full-time role, or a summer job, choose Express Employment Professionals. Express has more than 860 locally owned locations and no fees for job seekers. Visit ExpressPros.com today to find a location near you. Summer is upon us, and whatever you have going on, a vacation, a staycation, a summer wedding, well, Macy's has you covered. If you need summer dresses, matching sets, volume sleeve tops, wedges, straw-crafted bags, I mean, really, they have what you need head to toe. I'm talking Levi's, Dolce Vita, Lacoste, and more. So shop summer must-haves at Macy's. Go to Macy's.com slash style. Again, that's Macy's.com slash style. Something I for sure love having in my home is super clean countertops. And I love when it smells good too. So you can bring the vacation vibes to your home with coconut scented Clorox Sentiva. It smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy with a refreshing scent that'll transform your space into a tropical island retreat and give you a powerful clean. No plane ticket required. Unleash your self-expression with the enchanting coconut fragrance of Clorox Sentiva. You can get yours at a nearby retail store, also available in grapefruit or lavender scents. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, well, just go to tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful, thing. Laugh a little more, thing. Tight, tighten up your core, thing. Said EK, you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown. Happy Thursday, four things fam. Amy here, and I am sitting across from the one, the only, Dr. Becky Kennedy. I am geeking out to have you on. Well, I am really excited for this conversation. I was really looking forward to it. So excited to be here. On Instagram, she is at Dr. Becky Good Inside. And I just have to say you're one of my favorite follows. Hands down, you have helped me numerous times. I'm very loyal. So much so that I was hosting a mom's group at my house for adopted moms. We meet once a month. It's just a way to get together, no judgment, vent it out. We have experts come and speak, just offering that support to adoptive or foster parents, moms in particular. But I made them a little gift to take home with them, and it was a quote from you. So I'm just going to share it now for anyone that needs to hear it. I laminated it. It's something you, you can just, they could keep in their purse or their glove box. And it says, this feels hard because it is hard, not because I'm doing something wrong. And I love that what you often do for us in your Instagram posts, and you know, you have a book that is coming out, or well, it's actually already out now, 
but you validate our feelings and you meet us where we are and you remind us, well, just like this here, like parenting is hard. And as long as we're trying and doing our best, like we're not doing anything wrong. And so I, a lot of the moms that were with me that night needed to hear that so much. And speaking of your Instagram page and posting things, you had just posted something before our chat about mom rage. And I also love that you're very real in that you're not trying to come on as some expert, like you've got it all figured out and you have it perfect and you don't experience certain things that none of us do. Because I think that that's the intimidating thing about some experts. It's like, well, of course they have it all figured out. They're the expert. But you share real life scenarios from you. Yeah, I have a new perspective on experts since I've done this, you know, whole Instagram book membership, whatever thing. And people now refer to me as that. I was like, well, I'm just going to extrapolate from my own experience that anyone who portrays themselves or is portrayed as an expert in something is probably just someone really working at that thing. Like they're speaking to themselves because that's what it is for me. Like I post things because something's hard in my family or it's something I know I'm triggered by. So I actually think probably so many people who are labeled as experts are work in progress like the rest of us. And with that, you know, post that I put up today on mom rage, I really think it's powerful to think about those triggered moments, those reactive, rageful moments as a sign of the accumulation of our unmet needs. And so many of us as parents and definitely as for me as a woman, right, we think about others, we think about others and others and others. And then we get to a point where I swear our body's screaming out like, what about me? And that happened to me or it was about to happen when I saw my unfolded laundry sitting in the dryer. And I just knew I could not fold it. Like I kind of knew if I fold this laundry, something tiny is going to happen with my kids later. And I know I'm going to yell at them because I'm just going to be in this fried state. And so I paused. I was able to recognize it this time. And I just knew I have to take a walk or I have to do something to replenish myself. Because if not, I, I just am going to be in a triggered state from all the pouring myself out to everyone else around me. And for you, the self-care looked like a walk. For someone else, it might be something else they enjoy doing, but you knew you needed to step away and take that time for yourself. I kind of did. Like I, I had been taking care of my kids. They're sick. I had been like in my house a lot. Like I also just felt like I need to move. Like I need to change scenery. I actually need to move my body. I knew I didn't want some like intense exercise class. I was like, I just need movement. And like, I need to believe there's hope out of this sick kid situation. And there's something about a walk that actually enables me to like embody that, that shift in perspective. Well, I know you talk about self-care in your new book, which is called Good Inside. It makes sense. <laughs> and it's a guide to becoming the parent that you want to be. And before we get into the book, I would like to do a little Four Things Gratitude icebreaker with you. So if you could share a TV show, a book, an Instagram follow, and a food or drink that you are thankful for today, we'd love to hear. Such a great icebreaker. I'm very grateful for Richard Schwartz's Internal Family Systems. Uh, that's the book. It's the book I refer to over and over and over. I just take such inspiration from the way he understands how our bodies and brain develop, his understanding of how we're all made up of these kind of different parts of ourselves, and the understanding of parts really helps us understand our less than ideal behavior. It also really inspires so much of the way I share with parents about how they can help their kids from a young age. So internal family systems is like a Bible on my bedside table. I'm also very grateful for Ted Lasso. I love that show. I love the characters in it. I love the way they prioritize connection and seeing people. 
And I love the way Brendan Hunt, one of the show's producers, has even talked about that show and the coaching style in that show, which has really moved away from chastising players or yelling at them to, you know, being a coach with firm boundaries, but also really strong compassion. And one of the things he says that I often think is relevant in uh, the parenting approach that I put out there for good inside is that he he said, you know, when responding to critics around the criticism, oh, you're just too soft on players these days. You know, you're so soft. He says, you know, we're not soft. We're just not idiots. The right way to motivate players has never been through chastising them or yelling at them. And I think about that a lot too with kids. Like there's no way we can get the best out of kids when we're reflecting back the worst parts of them by yelling, by punishing them, by sending them away. And so I think about good inside, not as soft, but as as very effective. Well, and you kind of, you well, not kind of, you do address breaking the cycle yeah. in the book. And that's sort of what Ted Lasso's doing in coaching, breaking that cycle. Of, this is how we're supposed to coach and just doing a different approach. A hundred percent. And that's, that always gives me energy to say like, yeah, everyone's done something one way before me. Like, oh, okay. I'm up for a challenge. Let's, let's do something totally different. Ah, food and drink. I'm going to pick one food, one drink. Currently very grateful for my Irving, Irving Farm coffee. That's how I start the day. I usually set it the night before. It's like a treat to my tomorrow self. So I just have to press the button or if I remember to auto start it, it'll just start and be ready for me when I wake up. And Dots pretzels. Our Good Inside office is obsessed with Dots pretzels to the point that people have started asking me, like, are they a sponsor? I was like, I wish Dots pretzels <laughs> were a sponsor. Like that would that would be the greatest day of my life. So they are not a sponsor, but we always have Dots pretzels in our office and they are delicious. No, they really are hands down some of the best pretzels. <laughs> I did teacher bags last year. I guess it's time again. I need to do some more for my kids' new teachers. But we filled up four things totes for teachers with a bunch of fun items. And we filled them with dots. Pretzels is like the big item because they're so Amazing. good. All right. What about an Instagram follow that you're thankful for? Yes. I'm going to give three amazing women I follow who I learned so much from and who also I've gotten to know and are just amazing humans. Anedra Tawab. Sharon McMahon, better known as Sharon Says So, her Instagram handle, and Eve Rodsky. They're all great. I can affirm that. But yes. if Dr. Becky is endorsing, you're already good to go. Everything I say on this podcast is true. Yes. <laughs> okay, book time. I want to talk about Good Inside. And I actually want to share Adam Grant's endorsement of the book for everyone because I thought it summed it up nicely and it's just so kind, said, warning, reading this book might make you a better parent. Whether you're struggling to get your toddler to calm down or your teenager to open up, Becky Kennedy is a fountain of wisdom. She strikes mm -hmm. the ideal balance between affirming your best instincts and challenging you to rethink your worst reactions. And so I'm sure when you were reading through a lot of the endorsements for the book, it's got to be kind of crazy to see what people are saying about your work. This has all been relatively quick for me. Like I went from one day saying, I have so many thoughts around parenting. I'm just going to put them on my computer. And then realizing like, wow, I have like hundreds of pages of thoughts to, okay, I might start an Instagram just so my thoughts don't live on my computer hard drive for only me to see to, yeah, like having a podcast and then realizing I had such a larger arc I wanted to share. Like I didn't write a book until I 
really felt like I have so much more to say than I could say on Instagram. Like there's actually a comprehensive approach that I could only actually express in a book and then a book. And then, yeah, reading these endorsements, I, I, it's going to sound so cheesy, but I do think a lot. I stop in my day and think like, I am just so, so lucky. I feel so grateful that the thing that most lights me up inside, which is thinking about families and kids and adults and why we develop the way we do and why people who are good inside do not so great things, me included, like that thinking space truly lights me up. It fills me with such passion. And I now just get to do that more and more of my day and connect with more and more people. And I think the endorsements were a sign to me of like, wow, this is just, you know, a very fortunate chapter of my life where I get to really live in all of these ideas. Well, so what is good inside? All right, I want to tell you about something really awesome that Macy's is doing. It is currently Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, online and in-store. For the entire month of May, you can join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or simply round up in-store to APIA scholars. Now, APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. And Macy's has made it super easy. You can just round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA Scholars, which is an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Again, that's Macy's.com. You're going to be doing some shopping anyway. Why not round up and give back? That's Macy's.com or in-store. All right, so I've been saving on shopping this year by only buying new clothes when I've sold some clothes that I no longer wear. And what this has done is it's forced me to be super wise when I'm adding clothes back into my closet. I want to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and that's where Quince comes into play. You can go see for yourself all the awesome stuff they have, uh, especially for summer right now, like European linen dresses and blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, 14-karat gold jewelry, so much more. And if you're like me, you're like, hmm, this just seems too good to be true. Well, what Quince does is they partner directly with top factories and they cut out the cost of the middleman and they pass the savings on to us. So we are getting things for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. For example, I'm literally looking on their website right now at this open knit cover up maxi dress that'll be great for the summer, 100% organic cotton, and it's $49.90. It could retail for $148. So that's 66% savings. And with warm weather here, you need to check out Quince. All you got to do is go to quince.com slash Amy for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash Amy. You're going to get free shipping. Again, 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash Amy. I don't want to waste my time taking vitamins that aren't really going to do much for me. Like I want research. I want to know like, hey, this is actually doing something for my body. And Ritual knows this. That's why they conducted the research. They've done clinical trials on their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. The results, well, it increased vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. And as a woman, I want healthy vitamin D levels and omega-3 levels. And all I got to do is take my Ritual 
essential for women 18 plus multivitamin every morning. I take them on an empty stomach, but sometimes if I forget, I may take them in the afternoon. It's really up to you when you want to take them. There's nine key nutrients in two delayed release capsules. And what the delay release capsules does for us is it optimizes our body's absorption of these nutrients. It's gentle on the empty stomach. Like I said, I can take it first thing in the morning and I'm totally fine. And with a minty essence in every bottle, it actually makes taking your vitamins enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual is essential for women. 18 plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash four things. Start ritual or add essential for women 18 plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash four things for 25% off. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about the incredible work being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. What they are doing at St. Jude is making a huge difference. It is full of joy there, which a lot of families need at that time. They don't need to be worrying about travel, lodging, food. Everything is paid for at St. Jude so that families can focus on their child that has cancer. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude. It's only $19 a month. And when you sign up, you'll get the new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. Join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. what is good inside? So I guess the simplest way of answering that is saying, I really do believe that people are inherently good inside. And maybe another way of making that more concrete is that people are doing the best they can with the resources they have available in the moment. And as it relates to parenting and kids, I really believe that parents are good inside and kids are good inside. And in a way, this seems like an obvious idea. Like, I don't know any approaches or theories to child development or to parenting that says like, well, we believe kids are bad inside, like explicitly. And that's why we recommend parents do this. I mean, I don't think it's often spelled out that clearly, but there's really a predominant behavioral control approach to parenting in in our country, right? Like timeouts, punishments, sticker charts, like these are all almost accepted as if they're, like, I always feel like they're, like they're true. Like it's almost like they've been brought from the fiction shelf to the nonfiction shelf in the library. And so you take something off the nonfiction shelf, you think it's like the truth. It's just a theory. And, you know, all of these approaches are really about shaping child behavior and controlling kids. And I don't believe, you know, we ever really have to control anything or anyone we don't trust. And so there's really a lot of mistrust of children, right? That you have to so, you know, specifically shape them as if they don't have good inside that, yes, we have to help bring out, but that's very different than controlling or punishing or threatening or ignoring. And so, Good inside really takes that idea that kids are inherently good inside and builds a parenting approach that is 0% lax or permissive, zero. Anyone who knows us is like, yeah, this is like actually a way I've learned to embody my own authority. It's not permissive. And it's really based on the belief that we have good kids who need our help, not 
We have bad kids who are in need of punishments. Going back to breaking the cycle, which we mentioned a minute ago, you know, after we adopted our two kids, sadly, it took us about two years to figure out we had to do things very differently than our parents did because we adopted older children at that. So we had two children that grew up in an institutionalized situation Mm -hmm. in their developmental years. So my son was there till seven. My daughter had a different experience where she was with her birth mom till five and a half, but then an orphanage from five and a half to 10. And so they're very different. So not only, you know, were we raising two kids that we were bringing into our home that don't didn't have the love and security that my husband and I had as children, but they also had different experiences mm. as well. And so we couldn't just regurgitate what was done to us as kids, but that's the natural go-to. And we read the adoption books and we went to the adoption training and it's like, you know, but then you were, like you were saying, you revert back to the stuff that does seem very true and this is how it's done. And these are the facts and we don't sway from that. And so, uh, once the light bulb went off and we realized, Mm. but unfortunately, you know, we had to undo some stuff and reset, but it's never too late to break that cycle. And I love that you encourage that as well. For anyone listening here, that really is, I think, the most powerful and the truest message in my new book and in anything I do, right? Because I think there is a lot of like fear mongering out there that can happen in any kind of field where we're trying to learn something new, right? We can read things and it feels like, oh, like, am I a horrible person? Have I messed anything up? Like, why am I more anxious than, you know, than before? And I think like, just I'll say it here, like the main message is never too late with your kids. Like no matter how old your kids are, repair and reconnecting with them is always something I really believe their bodies crave and are waiting for. And there's no time that you've messed your kid up forever. And I think that's super hopeful. I remind myself that after I've had a day or a week or a month of being really distracted or being really on edge, like Becky, okay, I wasn't in acting in line with my values and I haven't messed up my kid forever. It's never too late. I can do this. Well, since you mentioned repairs, what is a repair? Because some households have never even done such a thing with their kids. Totally. So I know it sounds like almost like a fancy word repair. Like, what are you talking about? It's a version of an apology, right? Which I know is very new for a lot of people. Most adults I know would tell me I never got an apology from a parent. Like my parents never said the words, I'm sorry. And so the idea of apologizing or repairing with your child is going to feel super awkward because it's so new. So let's just name that like right off the bat. Why do we want to repair with our kids? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but after moments that feel bad, right? Maybe we've yelled at our kids. They feel bad to us too, right? But they definitely feel bad for our kids. They feel scared. They feel misunderstood. They feel very alone right? Aloneness is the hardest thing for kids to deal with. So it's not only that they feel scared or that they feel unnecessarily blamed for something. They also feel alone with those feelings. And when we repair, which is essentially going to a kid and saying some version of, Hey, I was stressed about a lot of things or, Hey, I was upset. And still when I'm upset, it's my responsibility to manage my own feelings. So I can talk to you in a respectful way that didn't happen. And I'm sorry and it wasn't your fault. And I'm sure that felt really scary to you. And I love you and I'm here. And I know we're going to get through this. 
something like that. You take responsibility, you name what happened, you own the thing you can work on, and you reconnect. What you're really doing is you're adding elements to your child's experience that were missing, right? So you're adding compassion and connection and presence and safety so that that experience of being yelled at isn't just free floating in a child's body, you know, with a ton of distress. And so repair is our most bang for our buck strategy, I always say, right? We can actually go back to a moment that felt bad and shift the way that experience actually gets carried in a kid's body. And I've been a parent who wasn't doing repairs, who now is. And the difference I see is significant. Yeah. So if you're listening, you're like, oh, I can't even picture myself doing it. You can, and it is possible. And this is part of that, breaking that cycle, at least for us in our house. I was kind of like, well, yeah, to your point, Becky, this isn't how it was for me. I mean, my parents weren't bad parents, but they definitely weren't doing things to better themselves at parents or trying to connect with me at all. Mm -hmm. They were just doing the best with what they could that they got from their parents. And it's just continued to pass down and pass down. And so, you know, we had to make a decision to be like, no more, even though it's like fighting against, because the natural thing, at least for us, that would come up was like, well, this isn't what happened for us. So why should we do it for them? And it's this realization of like, because we now know better and we can do better and our children deserve better. Yeah. And I think the secret to repair is we actually have to repair with ourselves before we repair with our kids. And that sounds so cheesy. I know like I even hear myself say that, like, what does that even mean? But we don't feel good after we've yelled at our kid. Like we know those times where we're like, yes, my kid was being annoying and they didn't deserve to be screamed at. My kid was being difficult and they didn't deserve those names that came out of my mouth. Like we know those deep in our heart. And I think the reason it's really hard to apologize to our kids is we have to then almost reface the feelings in ourselves of the thing we did that we then are trying to apologize for. And if we don't want to reface those feelings, then if we just don't apologize to our kid, we can like bury it, bury it, bury it. But We all know we can't bury our feelings forever. The feelings always win. And so step one is grounding yourself in the idea of like, I'm a good parent who is having a hard time. I'm a good parent who yelled at their kid. After this, I need to spend some time wondering, okay, I yelled. When did that start? Like, am I not taking care of my needs? Am I frustrated in an area of my life that just kind of comes out toward my kid? I do have to think about that. And I'm still like good inside. Like I can get through this moment now because I repaired with myself, I can go to my kid and show up not defensively like, Hey, I yelled at you, but if you didn't always ask me for an extra show, that wouldn't happen. Let me just say on air, that is not a repair. Nope. Nope. Doesn't count. Doesn't check the box. Nope. Uh -uh, Not even close. Right. I've said those things myself. Right. So it doesn't mean you're a bad person for saying those things. It just means it's not a repair. And if that's the kind of repair that's easiest, I think what that means is in some ways we're fighting an internal battle. Like we haven't actually repaired with ourselves as a first step. Something that's really resonated with me this year in my own therapy and from following you too, is that two things are true. So, and that's sort of what we're discussing here too. And why is it important for us to always remember that we can have oppositional thoughts and feelings at the same time? 
Well, I actually think that's like the key to life. Like almost always when we're in a really bad spiral place or we're in a standstill with a friend or a partner, we probably have a one thing is true mentality, right? Like my partner doesn't understand that I want to go to my family's house for the holidays. They're the worst. Like, wait, wait, wait. Okay, wait. I can want to go there and my partner can want to go to their house. Okay, I don't know what we're going to do, but we can figure it out, right? Like as soon as we can hold two truths at once and not have to choose, we probably can move forward in almost any relationship. So there's so many ways the idea of holding two truths at once applies to our kids. So I would hear over and over like the same thing in my practice when I work with parents individually. They'd come in kind of saying, I need a new system to work with my kid. I've been following some system of timeouts and stickers and it's just not working. I know it. And so then they'd say, okay, so my my daughter hit her brother. So now I'm not punishing or now I'm not sending them to a timeout. So it's just okay that they hit their brother. And I always was like, what? Like, why are the only two buckets we have punish or it's okay? That's a one thing is true mentality. Like there has to be something else, which is I'm going to stop you from hitting. And I'm going to try to understand what led to the hitting. Both understanding doesn't mean it's okay to hit and making it so I can stop the hitting doesn't mean I have to like punish my kid, right? Like there's always a two things are true mentality. And I think the quickest way to do it is to almost put your hands out in front of you and be like, all behaviors are not okay. Some behaviors have to be limited. Hitting is not okay. Okay. All feelings are okay. I can understand a feeling and intervene to stop a behavior. There's another version of two things are true that came up over and over where parents almost feel like if I'm setting a firm boundary, my kid is not allowed to have their feelings. So I'd say, hey, I know you want to watch another TV show. TV time is over. You could watch another show tomorrow. Like I feel so good about my boundary. My kid starts crying. You know, one thing is true mentality. I basically say like, why are you being so difficult? I told you only one show, right? Where I feel like my decision should dictate their feelings or the opposite. I see my kid crying and I go, oh, what kind of parent makes their kid upset about this? Okay, fine, fine, fine. You could watch one more show. Versus a two things are true mentality. I'm in charge of my decision. Okay, my decisions, no. Oh, my child's in charge of their feelings. My child has actually allowed to be upset. Like that's a great example of two things are true. We can even say that. Hey, two things are true. TV time is over and you're allowed to be upset. In fact, I even get that you are upset. I also don't like ending TV, right? And two things are true in some ways allows us to respect ourselves and our own decisions. And it allows us to respect our kids' individual feelings and experiences. All right, I want to tell you about something really awesome that Macy's is doing. It is currently Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, online and in-store. For the entire month of May, you can join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or simply round up in store to APIA scholars. Now, APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. And Macy's has made it super easy. You can just round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA Scholars, which is an educational nonprofit. 
Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. Again, that's Macy's.com. You're going to be doing some shopping anyway. Why not round up and give back? That's Macy's.com or in store. All right. If you want to look cute and feel comfortable at the same time when you're, you know, at a festival or concert because it's festival and concert season right now, it's got to be all about the boots. And Tacova's boots is where it's at. That is your stop before attending your next concert. I've loved my Tacovas. Anytime I wear them or I get a new pair, they feel comfortable on the first wear. I don't have to break them in. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. And all Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, which is super cool. They've got timeless styles that are always on trend. And really, you just got to stop by your local Tacova store, try them on for yourself, and see what I'm talking about. You can have a complimentary drink while you're there, shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized, which I love. And they've got regular live music and events. There's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about the incredible work being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in Hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. What they are doing at St. Jude is making a huge difference. It is full of joy there, which a lot of families need at that time. They don't need to be worrying about travel, lodging, food. Everything is paid for at St. Jude so that families can focus on their child that has cancer. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude. It's only $19 a month. And when you sign up, you'll get the new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. Join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. A friend was over for dinner the other day and, you know, we were just making conversation around the table, asking questions. And this friend said to my daughter, like, hey, what's something that makes your mom happy? And her response without missing a beat was clean countertops. Wiping down the countertops is a simple way for me to reset, especially when the smell is just right. And by smell, I'm talking about coconut. Coconut scented Clorox Sentiva is my go-to. And I personally love that she answered that without hesitation. That means she knows me well, and that's really special. And of course, yeah, I do love clean countertops. I love wiping them down. I will always choose the smell of coconut over anything. I don't know what scent matches your vibe, but there's coconut, there's grapefruit, there's lavender. And again, for me, it's always going to be coconut. My kitchen smells like a little tropical vacation when I use it. And I love that with Clorox, I know I'm getting a really good clean as well. So it's a powerful clean and a refreshing scent. Clorox Sentiva cleans like Clorox and feels like confidence. You can get yours now at a retail store near you. You know, another thing too that I think of when I don't get the reaction from one of my kids that I was hoping for is my brain immediately jumps to disrespect. 
And they're really not being disrespectful. I feel like they're almost sending me a blatant message that something else is wrong. And if I were to pause and not jump the gun on, you know, them being so disrespectful, then I could maybe get to the root of it and then we could move forward. Yeah, disrespect, it's, it's interesting because I, definitely respecting other people, of course, that's like a thing. And I also think it's a sophisticated idea uh, in some ways that like our four-year-old is reacting the way they are because they don't respect us. Like I always think like it's a very self-centered view as a parent, yes. right? Like, <laughs> oh, you're protesting and crying on the floor of the toy store because you don't respect me. Like you were like, oh, I don't respect my mom. So I'm going to melt down that she says I can't get a toy. Like it just, it doesn't actually make sense when you break it down. But most of us, when we acted out, probably our parents saw that through the lens of disrespect. So we've just been like, you know, kind of grandfathered into that interpretation, but we can shift it, right? If we decenter ourselves, right? And almost center our kids' experience, we can get curious. Like, oh, well, why would anybody struggle after they're told to turn off the TV? Why would anyone struggle when they're in a toy store to buy a present for their friend and they see all these things that they want and can't get, right? And then we're like, oh, that's just hard. That's like frustrating. Or they feel jealous or it's hard to want something and not have it. Now we can actually intervene based on building a kid's coping skills instead of intervening based on like proving to ourselves that we're worthy of respect, right? And those would be very different interventions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's definitely when the light bulb goes off, you're like, oh, aha, this is all so much more layered and complex than we, or, or I can speak for myself, originally had in my head. And that was because of my own upbringing or what I, what was modeled to me elsewhere, maybe not even in my home or stories that were told to me or things that were said to me, possibly at church or, and that's not, this isn't about church or what it's told or not, but I grew up a very certain way, like hearing a preacher from a pulpit saying certain things on how you should parent. And it's kind of like, you know, as a Christian now, I operate very differently and I don't think that they meant any harm by any means, but it's just not as black and white. I think that's exactly right. And like the idea of not being black and white, again, brings us to that idea of like, oh, could two things be true? Can it be black and white, right? Can it be red and blue, right? And I think that's actually a really liberating idea because then instead of looking at our kids and thinking I have to be right, we can think like, what if I'm just curious? What if I start wondering, like, why is my kid waking up in the middle of the night? Why is my kid hitting all of a sudden? Why is my kid clinging to me when I leave? Right. And when we get curious, we really widen our perspective of like, oh, well, maybe that relates to my increased work schedule or, oh, well, I am pregnant. Maybe my kid notices that. And then they're more anxious, whatever it is It all comes from allowing ourselves to be really curious. And I think that's one of the biggest things I love kind of helping to activate in a parent is moving from a place of judgment and kind of closed mindedness around why our kids do the things they do to a place of almost not knowing and curiosity. Yeah. The curiosity for me has brought about so much compassion and in those moments where I've taken the time to get curious, I can have more of a conversation and more of an understanding. And then kind of like little aha moments all the time as a mom, like, oh, that totally makes sense. And in turn, then I kind of, I do the same for myself or, you know, is it chicken before the egg, whichever comes first for you, maybe you already realize this about yourself, but could you implement it with your child. But for me, I think it was the work that we started doing for our children mm-hmm. that opened up some things for me personally in my adult life. 
That's amazing, Amy. And like, I think that it can really happen both ways. And that's like the synergy of it. And I think this happens a lot. Like I hear it from a lot of our members in the community where they say like, I kind of, I came for this problem with my kid and I'm, I'm staying for myself. Like, oh, wait. Like I came for potty stuff. I came to learn a potty approach that actually resonated with me. Or I came because I heard your deeply feeling kids workshop would be right for my kid. Okay. And then it got my, like it got my wheels turning and I realized, wow, I can grow as a parent even more than in my parenting. And I think that's what you're saying. And then, then you're on a really empowering journey. That's not just about your kid. Kind of goes back to mom rage. And I think it's one of the things that, I think is resonating about the good inside approach. It's like so many parenting books and approaches like, oh, one more thing for my kid. Okay, great. One more thing that I'm doing for my kid. And how cool if there's a parenting book and approach out there that is as much, if not probably more for you as an adult, as it even is only for your kids. Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) I mean, you have to be willing to look inside yourself. You have to be open to receiving and sometimes when you hit rock bottom, you'll take anything. And I think that's where we were. And I was willing to just, I fortunately had a lot of amazing books and experts and people in my life that were able to speak into me. And then people on Instagram too, like you, I I really truly meant it that you're one of my favorite follows because you have been such an amazing tool on this journey. Finding other people where you can actually say to them, like, Things are not fine. And I can show you the part of me that's not fine and it's safe. And you can see that part is real and important. I mean, I think that's a a really critical part of any of our journey. Definitely as parents, like it's just so hard. Like parenting, I really do believe is the hardest job in the world. I also believe it's the most important job in the world. And so we have the hardest and most important job in the world that we are given no formal training for, like no real support. And then I think a lot of women internalize the struggle as their fault, as we do as women. Like, oh, well, it's my fault. I must be a bad mom. Something's wrong with me versus wait, this is the hardest. I have the hardest and most important job in the world. Maybe I'm just not set up for, you know, what I would need. And maybe I really need to think about how to get the resources and support that I deserve for this really important job that I hold. So since that season, We've been extremely proactive and I see the fruit of my labor. How do you see the difference show up? Well, first of all, I am able to remain the calmest person in the room at all times. So I- Such so, a win. So right? far. Such oh, a win. That, and this is coming from someone like I've screamed, I've yelled, I've done all the things. I've been at my wits end. I have been <laughs> like, I've scared myself with who I have been because- it's almost uh, was uncontrollable. I started to think, are my hormones totally out of Mm. whack? Like I would throw things, not at my children, but in front of them. Like I would slam stuff in the sink or the counter. And I thought it was hormonal, which in a way I think could be possible for some people. But for me, I started to use as a scapegoat of like, oh, well, clearly this is hormones because I wouldn't act this crazy. And well, no, it turns out it was just me. (laughs) I needed to do a little bit of work. And once I was able to do the work and we started implementing this, I would say the number one takeaway to answer your question would be the calmness that I feel. And then in turn, the safety and security in that calmness that my children feel. Wow. 
I think that like when we do kind of take that step and say, okay, I'm getting that book or I'm taking that course or whatever that like little bit more of a deeper dive is. I think the biggest paradigm shift is like, wow, I actually start defining my parenting wins, not by my kid's behavior, but by the way, I show up with sturdiness and confidence because I actually find that when parents have been like doing this work for even just a little bit, they say, this is going to sound weird. And then I hear what they say and I say, actually, this is what everyone says. So it's not weird at all. They're like, my win today was during my kid's tantrum. Like they actually still had a tantrum, but I like really knew what to do. Like I took them out of the grocery store. I knew they had to go into the car. I sat with them in the car. I knew it wasn't my job to end the tantrum. I waited it out. I watched my kid's body soften. Like I actually had a win during my kid's tantrum. And it was a better feeling than I've had in a while. And I was like, oh my goodness, I know exactly that feeling because watching yourself be a sturdy leader in a storm is such an empowering feeling. And I feel like, Amy, that's also what you're kind of referring to. Absolutely. I mean, it is, it's night and day because when I wasn't having those wins, we were escalating the problem. I see it so clearly now. Yeah. I'm like, oh, look what I just did. We just completely contained this situation and it did not ruin our entire evening. Whereas yeah. previously there would have been a little fire maybe going on with my kids. And then I would just come over thinking I was making it better, but I would be adding gasoline. Oh, 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 throw some more gasoline on there. And next thing you know, it's been hours and we've got a full blown fly fire at the house. All this, I'm not literally, because some people might be dealing with that. So I'm not speaking about <laughs> a literal fire, but that's how it felt. And now I feel like I come equipped as the firefighter and I know exactly what to do. Yes. I think that it goes back to that model of whether we're really focused on behavioral control, like timeout for this and punishment for that and sticker chart for that. And what we really do then is we set ourselves up to see wins as like our kids' behavior change, which don't get me wrong. I'm actually all about kids' behavior change, but from a place of sturdy leadership and skill building. And it's actually, I find it's a very like disempowering thing as an adult to be like, I'm waiting for my kid to change, to have a win. Like I want my win to be based on something I can do. Right. And when we move from a model of behavior change to really sturdy leadership as adults, then we start to find our own wins and our whole system benefits from that. Yeah. I put up on Instagram that I was interviewing you and mm. asked if any listeners had questions and I got so many. And I tried to scroll through. I was like, I don't even know how to pick any. So I just randomly was like, okay, I'll pick that one. I'll pick that one. So it wasn't just kind of popcorn picked. And one that I saw multiple times had to do with teenagers and mood. So I didn't know if I'd just throw out there any recommendations for teenage mood swings. Cause I also am raising a 15 year old and I feel like there's times where the pendulum swings. I try to remember me as a teenager. And I definitely recall my mom saying that there will be payback because I was not an easy teenager. So do you have any thoughts on how to meet the teen where they are if they're in a huge mood swing? So one thing I'll say that like I really find again, kind of differentiating about the good inside approach is it's one approach that you can learn that is going to help you for all of your kids' years and their adult years, right? Because what I'll go over in terms of how I'd intervene during that moment at 13, like it is no different from how I'd intervene in that moment with a toddler. 
Like it's really just an extension of the same principles. So it builds on itself. So I think we have to start with family jobs. Like what is a parent's job? A parent's job is setting boundaries, which really helps keep kids safe and makes kind of a parent in charge of core decisions. And our other job, not a nice to have, but our job is to validate and empathize with our kids' feelings. Those two jobs together help our kids feel real and loved and safe. And so what would that look like during a teenager's mood swings, whatever that means? Well, we can set a boundary depending on what it is and our relationship with our kid in that moment, whatever feels right. It might be, hey, I know you're upset about something and that's real. And I know you can find another way to say that to me. Or, hey, you must be really upset about something to be saying that to me, right? There's like just naming what's happening is like almost a version of like a verbal boundary, right? So let's keep going. Let's say my kid is, quote, let me say having a mood swing is probably treating me with like sass or something I deem as disrespect, right? So I might say, well, you must be really upset about something to be talking that way to me. And I have a feeling it's, you know, about more than my asking you to clear your plate from the table. I know I need a minute to calm my body. You might also, let's both take a little time, come back together and figure out a way of talking about this where we could actually work together as a team. I think the idea of team all the time with kids is really, really important. Me and my kid are on the same team. I always think what's critical is moving from looking at my kid as the problem to looking at my kid like it's me and my kid against a common problem. And I think that is critical with teens. So we have to see this as this is me as my me and my teen working against some problem. Maybe it's the issues they have with the curfew or their problem they're having in math class or the fact that I won't let them stay out as late as their friends, whatever it is. But it's me and my teen against that problem, not me against my teen who is the problem. I love the idea of taking space and reconvening, having a team meeting. But space is so crucial. A hundred percent. I mean, I'm big on letting our kids know that we are there for them and we're not abandoning them. And at the same time, we could get a little too literal, right? Like that doesn't mean I have to stay in front of my teenager while they berate me. That's not good for anybody. They feel like they're overpowering us anyway. So yeah, you're always allowed to say, and I would encourage someone to say, hey, I need a couple of minutes to calm down my body and get to a calmer place so we can actually talk this through together. But I want to just model that's very different than saying, you know, uh, you're turning me into a witch or, you know, who could stay in a room with someone who's speaking like that, right? Like owning our emotions and our emotional needs is very, very regulating to a kid, to anybody else and feels very sturdy. Criticizing someone else or blaming someone else for your out of control feelings ends up feeling really, really bad to most other people. I mean, that's something, yeah, we could carry into any relationship, not just parenting. Yes, for sure. And I felt since I have opened myself up to owning more and sometimes in a repair or sometimes just in a situation, I'm modeling to my kids, like it's okay to own and take responsibility for your actions and to assess what you've done. Or, and then maybe they'll model that not only later on with their kids, but with their friendships and with their teachers or in other relationships at school. Yeah. I mean, I think that so often from a model of behavioral control, there's also a model of like power, right? Where parents kind of have power, whatever that like means, right? And in that model, parents were like, well, 
if I like apologize or own my feelings, I'm like losing power, right? Relative to my kids. Well, I don't think in terms of power in that way. I think in terms of connection and I think in terms of modeling and building circuits. And I think about how many parents say to their kids, like, stop blaming your sister. Like, okay, she said something to you, but you hit her. Stop blaming her, right? Just take ownership. Just say, I'm sorry. Well, our kids learn how to deal with their own emotions from many things. One of those things is how we deal with our own. And our kids know when we fly off the handle. And our kids know whether we end up saying, hey, that was a me thing. I'm still upset that you, whatever, didn't clean your room. We all know there's many ways I could have told you I was upset. And it's not okay to talk to people in the way I talk to you. And I'm going to be working on managing my frustration. And I'm really sorry, right? Like something like that is not only reparative to your relationship, it actually models the behavior for our kids that we really, really, I think all want from them. Love it. Well, I feel like I I could talk to you all day long, but people can find more from you on Instagram at Dr. Becky Goodinside. And then in your book, which I'm linking it in the show notes, so it'll be easy to find, or you can hit up goodinside.com. But I I love that it's all just good inside. Everything, there's nothing, you know, it's Dr. Becky because the book is good inside. And again, it's a guide to becoming the parent that you want to be. And as a parent that has been working really hard, I just want to also remind you and encourage you that it's not too late. If you feel overwhelmed, that is okay. Just take some time, do your breathing exercises, go for your walk, and then just one day at a time, get the book and you just one new concept at a time for you and spend some time with it. It's not going to happen overnight. You have to be incredibly patient with yourself. And then you'll start to see, like Becky and I were talking about, you'll you'll have a moment where you're like, oh, wow, I did this. What a win. I think that's exactly right. It's never too late. And maybe find one time today where you define a win for yourself that is not dependent on someone else's behavior. So you might say, oh, what am I going to do? My daughter always gets upset when she has her math homework. Okay, well, I'm not going to define the win by my daughter being calm. Like that's just too powerless as an adult to base my mood on an eight-year-old. I'm going to define my win as going in there. And I just want to say to her, I know this is hard. And I know you're a kid who can do hard things. And I know we can figure it out together. I'm making that up. But like, let's say that was the thing I really wanted to say. I'm going to say that to my daughter later. And then at some point later, I'm going to pause and say, Becky, you know what? I did that thing. And whether or not she still had a hard time, that made a difference. That's still registered. And that is a win. And I promise you those types of wins when you, you know, do a little bit here and there, one a day, one a week, that they add up and lead to really, really big change. I love that you tied that into being a good inside type parent and how coaching doesn't have to be this one way and parenting doesn't have to be this one way. A hundred percent. And thank you for having me and all your listeners. Like, you know, if you're spending time listening to this podcast, like I think you're doing so much right. Like you're reflecting, you're open, you're here, you chose to spend your time this way. And so I just encourage you all to pause and, and notice that about yourself, right? Notice this thing that you really did. It's already a lot. Well, thank you, Dr. Becky. And I will see you on Instagram. See you soon, Amy. Thank you. Ah, summer. The best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. 
At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, they have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. All right, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can really make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through things. Now, BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp.com. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, well, just go to tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. That peace of mind means so, so much for these families. So join me in helping St. Jude in this fight. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. 